Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father, through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, so as I said earlier, my name is Aaron Rickard. I serve as campus pastor at Lutheran South Academy, but I'm not a native Texan. You probably can't tell by my accent, but I grew up in Michigan. Uh, I grew up in the Detroit area, uh, and my wife and I have been married for going on 18 years now. And in the span of that 18 years, we moved uh, into our first place together. So uh, we met in college in Chicago. We moved from Michigan and Chicago to Indiana to attend seminary. And then we moved from Indiana to Albuquerque on our vicarage with a 10-day-old baby. And then after a year, we moved back to Indiana from our last year of school. And then from Indiana, we moved to Michigan uh, with a three-week-old baby and a two-year-old. We lived for a year with my parents before finding a house in Michigan, so we moved locally within Michigan, where we stayed for probably seven or eight years, and then got the call down to Texas here. So then we moved down to Texas. We moved into an apartment while our house was being built, and then when our house was built, we moved into that house, and then the property value of that house went up so much that the taxes were so high that we couldn't stay there, so we moved again. And so in 18 years, we've moved eight times. Not a military family, but sometimes it kind of feels like it. And not only that, but my wife does theater. Our whole family does theater, actually. We love theater, love performing arts. Uh, And so over the span of of our 18 years of marriage, my wife and I have probably worked on 20, 25 shows together. Uh, And she's the artist. I just kind of do what I can to help out. And one of the things that I do to help out is I move stuff around. I move set pieces. I move big set pieces that are too heavy for other people to carry. And in 18 years, eight moves and 20-plus shows, one thing I've learned about my wife she will not walk backwards while carrying anything. Not going to do it. We'll pick up, we'll do a whole rotation so that I'm, the, I'm always the one walking backwards. doesn't matter what we're carrying, I will always be the one walking backwards. Maybe you can identify, maybe you're the one who always walks backwards, or maybe you're the one who refuses to walk backwards. I don't know, but it seems like that's a pretty common trait. Because walking backwards can be scary. It can be dangerous. It can be funny, too. I remember uh, one time my nephew, he was probably about three years old at the time. We were sitting in the, my parents' backyard, and they had a big pool. And then because the kids were little, they also had the little splash pool, the little inflatable one. And he was walking backwards away from us. And he said, Eli, there's, there's a pool there. He said, no, there's not. Said, okay, but you're walking straight for the pool. And he said, no, I'm not. And he just kept going, kept going, and eventually lost his footing you know, butt first into the pool, splashing water everywhere. He was so mad. I said, look, I told you five times there was a pool there. You can't see where you're going when you're walking backwards. Sometimes it's funny you fall into a pool. Sometimes it's, it's scary. Uh, one of the moves where we were moving into our new house down in Texas had a little lip about two inches tall to get up into uh, the house level from the garage. And a friend of mine was carrying the, one of the beds, and he was walking backwards, and he didn't know there was a little step there, and caught his heel on the step, and he fell down, and the bed fell on top of him. And you know, thankfully, he wasn't hurt, but walking backwards. Walking backwards can be an intimidating or a scary task. And yet the truth is, that's exactly how we are called to walk as the people of God. People who are called to walk backwards into the future. And here's what I mean by that. I got this idea from a book that I was just finished reading, uh, and, and the author was talking about the Hebrew language and some of the nuance of the Hebrew language. He talked about the word for east, and he said the word for east is where we get the word orient. Um, and so we're kind of thinking about the orient and the, the, the wise men coming out of the orient, coming to the, the manger. So the idea for east means orient, but he said it's, it's not about just orient as in the east. He said it's about orientation. That's where we get the word from. 
Where do you face? How do you orient yourself to know which way you're supposed to go? Left and right are, are relative. You've got to orient yourself so that you know which way you're facing, so you know which way is left and which way is right, and you get, get where you're going. And he said that's interesting in and of itself, but he said this is where it gets really interesting. When you combine that idea with the Hebrew word for um, behind, in the Hebrew language, the word for behind has the same root as the word for future, and the word for past or, or orient has the same root for what's, what's in front of you. And he said, it, it, it's so in, in the Hebrew language, the idea is that what's in front of you isn't your future. What's in front of you is your past. Your future is behind you. And what he, what he means by that, or he says what, what he thinks that the Hebrew means by that, is that you can see what's in front of you. You can't see what's in the future. You don't know what the future holds. And so in that regard, the future is behind you. Now, I'm a, I'm a classroom teacher still to a little bit, and any teacher who tells you they have eyes in the back of their head, uh, they, they don't. You might have good ears or a good intuition, but you can't see what's going on behind you. And so the Hebrew language says that the future is like what's behind you because you can't see it, and the past is like what's in front of you because you can look at it. But time marches forward. And so we walk backwards into the future with our eyes focused on the past. So the question that raises in my mind is, what from your past are you going to focus on? What from your past is going to be that source of orientation? What from your past is going to be that focal point that as you walk to the future keeps you going in a straight line? Do you focus on the defeats? Focus on all the frustrations. You sit there and stare at all the hard times. And stare at all the sickness, all the tragedy. What from the past is going to draw your eye? What from the past is going to draw your attention as you walk backwards into the future? And it's helpful for us to remember that as the children of God, we do more when we look at the past. We do more than just learn from it the way that the rest of the world does. I'm thinking of the, the movie The Lion King, if, you, if you've seen it, and uh, Rafiki hits Simba on the head with the stick, and he says, oh, why'd you do that? And he swings again, and he ducks, and he says, oh, it's in the past. Oh, you learned from your past. Like, that's great. We should learn from our past. We, we should adapt based on the past. But there's more to it for us. As the people of God, there's more to our past than just learning from it. There's also being shaped by it and encouraged by it because Jesus is our past. And as, Paul, as John said in Revelation, our past, our present, and our future. We think about Thomas and the disciples in the, in the upper room. And, and the, the disciples tell Thomas, we have seen the Lord. And Thomas says, I can't believe it. He looks at his past and he sees Jesus dead on the cross. He looks at his past and he sees the trial that got Jesus to the cross. He sees the, the tramp of soldiers marching feet going to get Jesus out of Gethsemane and take him with a crown of thorns and, and mock him and belittle him and, and torture him and execute him. He looks at his past and he sees all kinds of things he can be afraid of and he says, I just can't do it unless I see Jesus, unless I touch his hands, unless I touch his side. I won't believe. He looks at his past and he sees fear. And then Jesus shows up and says, you believe because you've seen, well, blessed are those who have not seen 
and yet believed. But we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We look at who God has proven himself to be time and time again. We look at who God has proven himself to be every time he interacts with his people. You think about the the life of the people of the Old Testament. Israelites are enslaved in Egypt, and what does God do? Comes and he delivers them through the Red Sea. The crossing of the Jordan River into the Promised Land. You got uh, God sending manna from heaven to feed his wandering people. But you also have stories like the the Israelites uh, where where they're complaining about being in the wilderness, and so God sends serpents into their mix, and and, and they're biting them, and they got to look at the serpent on the pole. That's a hard one to figure out. You got stories about about plagues coming to Israel, and and the the Bible saying that God sent the plague to Israel, and you got the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness in the first place. It seems like it's this mixed bag of, of good things and of hard things, and that's exactly what it is. Because that's life in this fallen world. You look at the life of Jesus, and you see stories about him feeding multitudes of people with a couple of loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And you see stories of Jesus healing the sick and the lame and giving sight to the blind. And you see stories of Jesus teaching the Sermon on the Mount. But there's also the stories of him being rejected in his hometown driven out as the the multitudes there try to kill him, being betrayed and abandoned by those closest to him, being tortured and executed. And the Old Testament is full of it, the life of the kings, the biographies of of the prophets, the people of God. The stories are always a mixture of of triumph and failure, or a mixture of, of shame and deliverance, a mixture of sin and salvation. It's all there. And so we focus our eyes on Jesus. We focus our eyes on what he has promised. As as John said in Revelation, he is the first fruits of the resurrection. Jesus lives. Your life, my life, life in this world is going to be a mixed bag. We're going to have great days. We're going to have hard days. And as as we move into the future and try to figure out what's coming next, the truth is we don't know. We don't know what tomorrow brings, but we know that the God who's in charge of tomorrow is the same God who came down out of heaven, took on human flesh to be one of us, to live as one of us, to die in our place, and then to live again as the first fruits of the resurrection, promising that when the harvest comes, we will be right there with him. That gives us the confidence to face whatever happens next walking backwards into the future. Just because something in your life is difficult or hard doesn't mean that God's not using it to accomplish his purposes. Look at the life of Joseph, sold into slavery by his brothers, imprisoned, living living as a a servant, and then elevated to the heights of of Egypt. Or you look at King David as a, as a youth being uh, betrayed by his uh, king and, and then chased out and having to hide and live on the run and live in, king, in caves as the king of Israel tried to kill him and then becomes the, the, one of the, the great names of the Old Testament people, becomes one of the great kings of all Israel. The life of Jesus bears out the same thing. Life is going to be full of challenging moments. Life is going to be full of hard times. 
But as we walk backwards into the future, we look at the deliverance that God has already won for his people and trust that our deliverance is coming too. Not the deliverance of this life, but the deliverance out of this life and into the life to come. Walking backwards can be scary because you can't see where you're going. But you see where you're going, you see where you're coming from, and you follow that line as God's children. We focus our attention on who God is. We focus our attention on what He's done for us, what He's done in the past. And then, like the apostles, the presence of the risen Christ in our life gives us confidence to face the future, to walk backwards into the future, trusting that God will guide every step that he will not let us fall, and that when his time is right, he'll bring us out of this life and into the life to come to live in that new and perfect creation where there is no more sorrow, where he wipes away every tear from our eyes, and we live in perfect communion with him and with each other. So my prayer for you uh, and, and, and for myself and for all God's people is that we would embrace that mindset. Be willing to walk backwards into the future, not knowing what tomorrow brings, but knowing how the story ends, and trusting that the God who's always delivered his people in the past will be consistent with that and continue to deliver his people in the future. In Jesus' name, amen.